Welcome back, one and all, all in one, to the Dao De Jing Podcast. This is your host, Shu Li, back with you for another episode, episode 23. But we will be looking at chapter 20. Today is the 20th of April, 2023, episode 23, but chapter 20 is the chapter that we'll be delving into today. And let me tell you, boy, it's going to be a long chapter, this one. So I'm not sure if we can complete it, but we'll try our best. Before that... I have a true story to tell you. Perhaps it's a confession. But it's a true story. Some people may think this is being broadcasted from the United States, from America. But in fact, if you've heard of my previous episodes, I'm actually living in Australia, Sydney, Australia. The western part of Sydney, Australia. So Western Sydney in Australia is the country that I'm broadcasting from. And this relates to the title of our episode this week. The title is entitled, I Am Different. And you will see how this plays into chapter 20 of the Tao Te Ching that we're going to expound on this week. My little story goes like this. It's a true story about me. You see, even though I live in Australia right now, I was not born here. I was not born in the United States of America either. I was born in a country called Malaysia. That's right, you heard it, Malaysia. And I lived there until I was about five or six, and then my parents brought me over to Australia. And often when I speak to people, People ask me, are you from the United States? You sound American. But the thing is, I've never been to America. I mean, I wish I could. I'm sure it's a beautiful place, as in, in Mandarin, in Chinese, they call it the, the beautiful country. Mei Guo. America or United States is the beautiful country. And the continent, Meizhou. Meizhou is referring to the continent of America, which includes North America, Central, South. I mean, South is a different continent. They call it South America. I think it's a different. But anyway, you have North America, you have Central, you have South. I'm sure that whole continent, North and South, are very beautiful places. And so are other continents. But anyway, in Chinese language, they've made it a point to name 
United States as the beautiful country, 美国 which is different from what they've named themselves as 中国 which is the middle country or the middle kingdom. That definitions aside. My little story begins like this: I was born in Malaysia, and my first exposure to English was from the TV. Would you believe it? From watching American cartoons, cartoons that were produced in the United States. So that's where I first learned my English. Of course, my parents spoke to me in. Perhaps a little mix of Malay language, a little mix of Malaysian Mandarin, or a little bit of Chinese, maybe, but predominantly still English and a more Malaysian version of English, which is different from what I was exposed to, and what I learned from the American cartoons when I watched while I was growing up. From the age of about, I would say I started watching TV probably about two, from about two to six when we arrived in Australia as immigrants. So for the first four years of my life, the American English was dominant, and that's the reason why I speak in. This style today, the style that you're hearing, which is probably a a mishmash of many different types of accents that you will have or you will get from United States. Of course, now I know that even in United States there are many different accents or ways of speaking, and this is also true of. Australia, although in Australia there are probably less varieties because there are less people here. Your twenty-six, twenty-seven million, as compared to your three hundred million in the United States. So you, and plus the United States has a longer history of settlement than Australia does, right? Because Australia was. Uh, officially named Australia in 1901, so we we are officially only a bit over a hundred years old. So it's 2023, 2023 minus 1901, where you get 122 years of Australian history as Australia as an independent、uh, political entity, which is called the Federation. The Commonwealth of Australia began in 1901. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think Australia began in 1788, where,、uh, with the arrival of Captain Cook in Sydney. But back then, it, from 1788, the White Settlement of Australia, that was still considered British colony. That was not considered Australia as in the independent Commonwealth country. Federation that we have today, what we have today officially began in 1901, and we weren't even singing our own national anthem until I think 
way into the 1960s or 70s. So you can imagine how much we've been influenced by the British uh, culture. And, uh, well, in Australia, we've also been heavily influenced by the American culture, although culture coming from the United States, the modern culture. I think 80 or more percent of our media that we consume here in this country of Australia comes directly from the United States without much alteration at all. We take it all in. So it's no wonder how it is much easier for Australians to adapt to the American culture than it is for Americans to adapt to Australian culture, even though they're very similar anyways. Okay, so what has this got to do with chapter 20 of the Tao Te Ching? Me being born in Malaysia, me coming to Australia, me sounding American. What's that going to do with the Tao Te Ching? What's that going to do with chapter 20 in particular? As this episode is entitled, I Am Different, I want to let everyone know that everyone is different, right? I think that is a truism that we all know already. We are all different. I am different. I'm different from you. You're different from me. So I want to use this story about myself to illustrate the fact that it is okay to be different. We are different and we need to accept each other with our differences without trying to make it look as if other people are weird or not accept other people because of their differences. We shouldn't be trying to slot hole everybody into classifications. Just because I live in Australia doesn't mean, for example, I have to speak in in the Australian way. I mean, I guess because I've been here long enough, 30 plus years, I can speak in the Australian way of speaking, the Australian English. I can, although it is easier for me to speak American English, but I can because I've been here and I've learned, okay? Some people may not be able to because because of their particular set of circumstances. They may have come here at an older age where it's more difficult to adapt their way of speaking or whatsoever. Like, for example, my parents, they speak English with a Malaysian accent, or you could say the Malaysian version of English. They speak it like that. Uh, they have not been able to adapt to the Australian way of speaking. They don't speak English English. They don't speak British English. They don't speak American English. They don't speak Australian English. They still speak rigidly with the Malaysian version of English. That's what they speak, right? And for a particular set of circumstances, because due to a particular set of circumstances, I'm able to adapt. I've learned many different 
different languages. I'm multilingual. I'm always speaking in different ways of speaking. I'm used to that because of the environment I grew up in. Right? I can even speak Malaysian version of English if I really had to for some reason. So everybody has a specific set of circumstances. It's not to say that because you live in one country, you should speak in that way that everybody speaks in. It's not to say that you should. You can, but that's there's no law that says it. Oh, once you live in Australia, you have to speak like an Australian. There's no law that says if you go and live in America or migrate there, you have to speak like an American. In fact, there's no such thing as speaking like an American because every region and every state of the United States, they have their own lingo. They have their own way of speaking. They have their own accents. And so it's just best to be natural. Whatever comes to you, that's easy for you, you just be you, right? Speak as you should, as speak as you want to speak. It's also as a, a decision you make. Some people, I guess, don't make that decision because they're exposed all their lives to just one way of speaking. But there are other people as well who are very multilingual and they speak in a variety of ways. They speak in a variety of accents. They speak in multiple languages and every language and every dialect within the language has their own dialect, accents, way of speaking, vocabulary that varies. And we have to accept this. As a title here, I am different, right? When people see me in public or at my workplace, they often ask me because I look Asian, but I look more of a pan-Asian rather than a particular, from a particular culture or, or civilization or country. So it's very difficult to spot which country I'm actually from, right? So I look Asian, I kind of look Chinese, I kind of look Japanese, and I have a beard where, you know, most Chinese, modern Chinese men do not have in the modern era, not like in the ancient China where most men usually had beards for cultural reasons. And now in China, the modern China, most modern Chinese men don't have beards. It's not the in thing to do right now or since the, since modernization of China where they become uh, kind of trying to copy the clean-cut fashion of the modernization movement. Whereas in the past, in ancient China, it was cool to have a big beard. It was normal. It was the, I mean, men had beards. Men usually have beards, right? Naturally, they have beards. The only way you don't have a beard uh, is you have a, a genetic cause for that or you shave or you cut it off, right? So, but naturally, men have beards. Uh, a very rare amount of women have beards as well. That's uh, true. I'm just stating it and putting it out there just in case people didn't know. I mean, I saw uh, a photo of a woman with a beard. I mean, there's nothing you can say about that. That's natural. She wants to keep that. Well... 
good for her, right? So this is all about what exists, what already exists. We need to accept that, right? We don't try to impose our own twisted views on other people. We accept that everyone is different. The world is different, even though we're all human beings. Yes, our biological makeup is mostly the same, but we as individuals are different. There are idiosyncrasies. There are variations. Even people within the same family, even twins, believe it or not. Whether you realize or not, even twins, even Siamese twins are different. They may look identical, identical twins. They may look identical. They look exactly the same on the outside, but on the inside, physiologically, psychologically, spiritually, they are different. They may have similarities, but they are still different. So, growing up in Australia, I felt somehow that I've always been living in a sort of a cultural limbo, a civilizational crossroads. I've never felt, as I said, people ask me, you know, where are you from? I can't say, really, I'm from Australia, right? They're going to think I'm ridiculous because I don't look white, right? So this is part of the problem as well. What does the Australian look like? Firstly, what is Australia? What is Australian? What is Australia? That is a problem. That is a that is a notion, that is an identical and a cultural identification that has not really been pinpointed down, that has not been fully defined, that cannot be fully defined. What is Australia? What is Australian? That identity is still murky. That identity is perhaps purposely left unanswered. This is the same thing. What is American? Right? What is Chinese? That may not be so easy to answer that question. It's a very tricky question. Right? What does an American look like? What does a Chinese look like? Because you could probably pinpoint a Chinese and stereotype a Chinese, a Hun looking person, but and then you didn't realize that. Did you realize that? Within this umbrella of the term of Chinese, there are many dif different ethnic groups as well. The people that look quite different from the Han people, they are, can also be considered Chinese. For example, the male people, right? The, 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 the Tibetan groups, the, the Korean groups, the Mongolian groups, the Uyghur groups, the so many other different groups of different ethnic groups that live within China, they are officially Chinese. I mean, they are not the Han majority ethnic group. They don't look like most other Chinese, but they are officially, on their passport, they are Chinese. It's just like Americans. They have Latinos, they have African American, they have Caucasian American, they have Asian American, even within the Asians. There are many different types of Asians, types of Americans, and also within Australia as well. So what is 
American? What is Chinese? What is Australian? What is Malaysian? Right? In Malaysia, people are used to accepting different et people from different ethnic groups as being Malaysian. Like we know, stock standard, that Malaysians can look like Chinese people. Malaysians can look like Polynesians. Malaysians can look like Filipinos. They could look like Malays. They could look like Indians. They could look like South Indians. Some of them can look like North Indians. There are so many, and there are Aboriginal groups, various Aboriginal groups within Malaysia as well that look different from the Malays, slightly different, and look quite different from the, the Indians and the Chinese Malaysians, right? So what is Malaysian as well? What what is what does a Malaysian look like, right? But obviously, when someone asks me where are you from, I have to tell them Malaysia. I was born in Malaysia, right? So I'm kind of considered Malaysian, even though I've spent most of my life in Australia. I've and I've only spent six years in Malaysia. So technically and officially, I'm not Malaysian at all. I never grew up there. I was not educated there through school. So I really am not familiar with their political system or their educational system. Although in hindsight, I've learned about their system in my spare time here in Australia. But that's from a distance, not personally experienced the Malaysian culture or the Malaysian way of life. I've not really lived in Malaysia really truly. I've only, I was only born there and lived there for the first six years of my life. That's not really counted as being Malaysian as such. I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Australia, so I am more Australian in my way of thinking. That's why when I went back to Malaysia for a holiday, one of my uncles in Malaysia who is actually a Malaysian-Chinese businessman, he called me a banana because at that time I did not speak Mandarin. I did not speak Chinese Mandarin or any Chinese dialects, right? While I was growing up, my parents spoke to me in English. So while I was growing up, I was monolingual. In effect, monolingual. I only spoke English. That's why when I went back to Malaysia, my uncle, who is multilingual in Malaysia, he called me a banana. He said, hey, what was that supposed to mean? That I'm white on the inside and on the outside I look yellow, which is I uh, look Asian. But because I don't know much about the Chinese culture, my own ethnic culture, I am white on the inside. My brain has been inculcated, has been educated in the white way, in the Western way. And that is true, in the Western way. Whether that's good or bad, I'm not going to say that is not a conclusion that I can make. I guess every philosophy, every way of education, every educational type of system belonging to different countries and cultures and civilizations, they have their own advantages and disadvantages, right? I cannot say that I was, because I've been educated in the West, as it's good or bad, 
according to the Chinese or the Malaysian way. It is just what it is, right? Because I had no choice in it. I followed my father here. I followed my mother here. We migrated. They took me, and I was six. I was under their guardianship. They took me here, and I was educated fully in the Western ways, right? So in my brain, I'm a total Westerner. On the outside, I look like an Easterner. I look like an Oriental. I look like a, an Asian person. So that's why I mean when I say I've been living my whole life in a cultural limbo. Neither this nor that. And that's fine. Because I am different. I am different from what some people may want to consider as certain stereotypes. For example, the white Australian, the white American, the, the, the Han-looking Chinese person. They're all stereotypes. But we have to realize that there are marginal or minority ethnic groups that live within these countries that who look different. But we can still be considered as belonging to this country. Right? My passport says I'm officially an Australian. I'm not officially a Chinese person from China who has who holds a Chinese passport. Whether that's from People's Republic of China or from the Republic of China. I'm not a person who holds a Malaysian passport. I'm not a person who holds any other passport. I'm I only have one passport, and that's the Australian passport. So officially, that is my nationality. Ethnic, Ethnicity-wise, yes, you can consider me Chinese. You could consider me Han Chinese. You could consider me Malaysian. You, yes, I think one of my, or both of my grandmothers had some kind of a mixed blood situation where it's either Portuguese or indigenous Malaysian or something like that. So I wouldn't consider myself fully 100% pure Han Chinese. I don't think that there is such a thing either because throughout the centuries of Chinese civilization, even the Han Chinese were mixed within their own kingdoms and other kingdoms around those Chinese kingdoms and also other from other ethnic groups around the steppes area, which is the northern part of China, around the Mongolia area and the Manchuria, which is the northern eastern part of China today, uh, where the Manchu Qing rulers came from, and even within those tribes, they had different ethnic groups. What tied them together was just that they were similar, and then they were dominated by the the hegemon, the hegemonic ruler of that stage, right? And they were mixed in with the Han Chinese, and the Han Chinese migrated south. When they migrated south to areas like Fujian province and Guangdong province and Guizhou, they also mixed in with the local peoples there. 
And so even within China, Chinese people are quite mixed in their genetical makeup. So I make no apologies for saying, you know, I'm not 100% Han Chinese. There's no such thing. All, all of our ancestry has been mixed. Some of us know it. Some of us don't know about it. But if you research, we know that we are all mixed. That's why everyone is different. And we're all mixed with different types of genetic makeups. And even now, there's even more interracial or cross-cultural marriages. And that's going to, that's creating right now. It's not gonna, it's happening right now. Children and people of the next generation who are mixed as well. Who are mixed-blooded people. Who are hybrid Right? That's, we are unashamedly, unashamedly, that, unabashedly, that, mixed peoples. That's why we are different. And that's we. That's why I have to stress today in this episode that I am different. I've never felt fully Malaysian. I've never felt fully Chinese. I've never felt fully Australian. I've never felt fully American. And yet I'm all of them, all at the same time. That's the beauty of the Tao. You can be that. You can be who you are. Unabashedly. Unashamedly. You can be who you are. You are who you are. Your existence is true. So you have to be, we have to be true to ourselves. You don't have to prove. The moment you were born, you were born. You existed. Nature wanted you here. That's why you don't have to make no apologies for who you are. Right? A lot of times we go around searching for answers and trying to alter and amend and change ourselves and adapt ourselves to some kind of theory of how we're not complete, how we need to impress other people, how we need to change ourselves. How we need to put on put on an act every day. I'm not talking about actors going and purposely acting to earn a living. That's different. That's fine. That's a job. But, I mean, in our everyday situation, in our personal selves, in our personal lives, we owe it to ourselves to be ourselves. That is the point here. Enough of that rambling. You get my point. You get my point how we're all different. I'm different. You don't have to fit in. I don't have to fit into other people's expectations of who I am. I was born in Malaysia, grew up in Australia. I have an Australian citizenship. I'm, I am Australian officially. But I am Malaysian as well because I was born in Malaysia. And I am Chinese as well because my grandparents were born in, well, most of them were born in China. And in certain ways, you could say I'm American as well because I've adopted this American culture, as a lot of us have, even though we don't live in America or we've never been there. But we all understand it very well because America, we're living in the age of the of American civilization, right? We live in an age of globalization where 
our mainstream culture has been influenced by United States. It's been influenced by China somewhat, but it, it's also been influenced by United States. It's been influenced by a mix of these things in harmony. Even though, you know, these two countries may want to think of themselves as enemies, but the reality is we all live in a world, a globalized world, a commercial world where we trade with one another. And there's no denying that. So I don't see why... If you're enemies, why are you trading with one another? <laughs> Would you really trade with your enemy? I don't know. I, this is not about politics. I don't want to get into that. But it's, it's hilarious when you think about it. <laughs> okay. So let's delve into chapter 20 of the Tao Te Ching. I'm going to read it. The... Chinese text here, the ancient Chinese text in the Mandarin pronunciation. And because I want to read it all, even though it's long, it's going to maybe take a minute. If you're not interested, if you think it's going to bore you, you can skip the minute. Anyway, if you want to listen, it'll be a good time of meditation just to listen to the, the original here in the Mandarin. Perhaps it may inspire you. Perhaps you may learn something from it. That's what it's all about, right? Sharing this classic to everyone, for everyone to hear. Even though you don't understand the Mandarin words, we're going to endeavor to expound it and explain it in the English afterwards. But I just want you to hear it to get an idea Maybe you could sense the beauty of it. Maybe there is a higher spiritual vibe that's going to come across to you today. Who knows? We're going to leave that open ended. I'm just going to dive right in. Chapter 20. The Shan Ruchuntungtai我 Duro 
四笔，我独异于人，而贵似母。The end of that reading in Chinese. Now, for the English chapter twenty. How much difference is seen between yes and no? How much disparity is shown between good and evil? What other people fear, one must fear. What a difference, so vast and endless! The multitude are jubilant, as if enjoying a magnificent feast. Or ascending a terrace to command a view of spring, while I, alone and inactive, remain aloof and indifferent, like a baby that has not yet learned to smile. I am tired, like a homeless wanderer. The multitude, all have more than enough, while I alone seem to have nothing. I am one, indeed, with the heart of a fool. Vulgar people all look sober and complacent, while I alone seem muddle-headed. The multitude all appear clever and capable, while I alone seem slow-witted and clumsy. I am indeed different from them all. Because I take the greatest in interest in obtaining the Tao. Chapter twenty is specifically different from the other chapters in that it is poetic and personal, rather than. Political. It's not a political piece of advice to anyone, to any ruler. It reads. It reads more like poetry.、Um, so it is politic. It's poetic and personal rather than political and public. And it points out the individual. Seven times, in the text here, in the Chinese text, it has it mentions war, which is the actual modern Mandarin word also for me or I, seven times. Okay, it mentions I seven times more than all the previous chapters we've looked at so far. So this text, chapter twenty here. Is pivotal in the sense that it mentions me or I, the individual, seven times. It also mentions the other people seven times. So there is a balance there of the individual and the other people. Now, with the I or the individual, it uses the Chinese word "war," which is the modern.、Uh, Not a modern. It came from the ancient, but we also use this. We've adapted this as the most common word for I or myself or me in modern Mandarin. So that makes it easy to understand. So war means I. 
It's used here in the ancient text, and it is also used in modern Mandarin today. Now, for in reference to the other people, it uses three different types of words. It uses ren, which refers to everyone. Zhong, meaning everyone or all. ren meaning all the people. And then it uses another term, ren, which means the vulgar people. Or uh, just like the you know just the 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 lao bai xing the the ordinary people, right? The common folk, right? Su ren, and then it uses ren by itself, which refers to other people. In Mandarin, you would say ta ren or qi ta de ren, which is other people. But here they've shortened it to ren, which also refers to other people. Now, so these are the three ways that they've used, these three words that they've used to refer to other people. But, whichever the case, this poem, or this chapter, uses I seven times, and it uses, refers to other people seven times. Okay? This means that there is a balance or that there should be a balance in the universe, also in your life, in our lives. When we think about ourselves as individuals, our individual needs, our individual wants and interests, in comparison to, or in opposition to, or in contrast to, or in relationship to other people and other things. The other people are also mentioned seven times. This means we cannot neglect other people. We cannot put ourselves above other people, and other people should not put themselves above us. There should be a harmonious balance between the concept or the idea or just the practice of being you as an individual and the practice of other people being other people. They're allowed to be other people. They should be in, in harmonious, we should be in harmonious coordination with each other and harmonious companionship with each other because it's seven times for me and seven times for you and other people. All right? There is a complete perfect balance here. If we look at numerology, we want to study numbers, even if we don't believe in numerology. But we cannot deny the fact that in certain cultures, Western culture, let's take Western culture, for example, and take Chinese culture, for example, here. And look at the significance of the number seven, right, in these two cultures. Now, in ancient Chinese culture, seven is considered in a way auspicious but not in not for the common folk but more in a philosophical way in a spiritual way why because if you take a look in confucianist history or taoist history or just chinese natural history or natural history of philosophy for example you will notice that 7 is the count for yin and yang yin yang and 
the five elements. So if you add the five plus the yin and the yang, which is two, if you add five plus two, that's seven. All right. This combination was significant in the Taoist history or in Chinese history because it allowed for the marriage of the yin and yang with the five elements, which represent nature. Right? The five elements being metal, wood, water, fire, and earth. So you take these five elements which encompass the natural world, and you take the yin and the yang, which represents and symbolizes the way in which things move. You marry them, and you get the number seven. That's why the number seven, in even in Western culture, it represents and symbolizes perfection, wholeness, higher wisdom, higher spirituality. You heard of the English saying seventh heaven? Well, if you're in seventh heaven, that means you're in a state of complete satisfaction. You're in a state of complete bliss. You're, experience, you're experiencing higher spirituality. As a teacher before, they used to teach us in teaching college about higher order thinking, H-O-T, hot, higher order thinking. And they would challenge us to challenge our students to reach this level of higher order thinking. Well, that's just one aspect of knowledge and education. But higher order thinking does not necessarily give you any wisdom, right? Wisdom is the application of what you do with your knowledge. So, Knowledge is important. Although knowledge is important, it is not the be-all and end-all of life. Wisdom is a lot more important than knowledge, right? You could be full of knowledge in your head and sit in a room all day, not doing anything at all, not helping anyone, not being of any help to anyone, not progressing in your life. Right? Not being a, a responsible person to your children, so on and so forth. You could, and yet your mind be full of knowledge. No problems. Right? But how are you benefiting other people? Like the, the world benefits us. The sun benefits us. The earth benefits us. The air benefits us. The fish benefits us. Even certain insects and animals, they benefit us, right? Even birds, they benefit us. You take a look back Chinese history and the Cultural Revolution when Mao Zedong, he commanded that his people kill all the, I think it was sparrows or a certain type of bird, right? And, and when they did that, what happened? The locusts came. The locusts came from left, right, and center and ravaged all the food. Partly the reason is because there was an imbalance in the ecosystem. Man tried to impress his will upon nature. And then what happened? Nature backfires on man. <laughs> because man decided that he was wiser than nature. 
So this is an example in, in modern Chinese history where we shouldn't do that type of thing. We shouldn't cause an imbalance in nature. We should follow nature. We should study nature. We should revere nature. We should comply with nature. We should cooperate with nature. We should shape our lives and behavior upon that nature that we see. Remember I said in the previous episode about the planets following their own course. Every planet follows their own course. We don't go off course. If Earth decides that it's going to go off course and not follow its own nature, there's going to be a problem. We're all going to die. If you want to decide to kill all the sparrows in one region, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be an imbalance. And that's going to backfire on you. See, so instead of uh, you manifesting your wisdom for your country, trying to improve people's lives, you actually ruin people's lives. That's what happened. So we don't want that. We want what is natural. We want to follow the higher spirituality. We don't just want to have knowledge like Mao Zedong had. He had his head was full of knowledge, right? But in the end, could he, did he really improve things for people? In the end, not really, right? Because he didn't have a higher level, level of wisdom. He had knowledge, but he didn't have a higher level of wisdom. He didn't have a higher level of spirituality. He just thought the world was this political game that he could manipulate. He didn't realize this world is, is, is a spiritual world. You must activate your sense of spirituality. You must go higher and have a higher and live and develop your soul and your mind and your body and your spirit and live in this higher sense of spirituality, the highest state of spirituality, where we are spiritually connected with the one self, where we are spiritually connected with other people in this state of harmony, harmonious tranquility. We can't just go running around beating people with a stick just because we don't like what they're doing. Right? We don't just go around killing things because we don't like them. Everything exists, everything exists for a reason. Okay? So, the fact that this poem is being very intimate here right now with us, we need to open ourselves and be intimate with the text, with nature, with the Tao, rather than to be intimidating. We need to be intimate, not intimidating. Intimate means we need to connect. Having a dialogue is part of it. Loving other people is part of it. Giving to other people, receiving from, from other people, that is all part of it. Not to be intimidating. We need to be intimate rather than intimidating. This text comes very clean to us. It wears its heart on its sleeves because it expresses its emotions. This is probably one of the only texts so far that has expressed a lot of emotion. It expresses emotions of loneliness, feelings of loss, 
and it expresses a state of being lackluster, right? So it says, well, well, I alone, the multitude are jubilant, right? The multitude are in a state of luxury. They're happy. They're prosperous. Everything's bright for them. They live splendid lives as if enjoying a magnificent feast. Now, in the original text here, it doesn't say magnificent feast. What it says is, Ru xiang tai lao. Ru means like, as we learned before. In the ancient Chinese, modern Chinese is hao xiang, but in the ancient Chinese, ru means like. Like this thing here, you know. To be like, for example. Ru xiang, xiang means to enjoy. Xiang shou, in the modern Mandarin, xiang shou means to enjoy. Xiang tai lao. Tai lao. Means sacrificial ox. Okay? It sounds like some guy from jail because lao means jail, right? In the modern Mandarin. But this is not that word. This is tai lao. Tai lao means here sacrificial ox, literally. So they translated here as a magnificent feast. So when they slaughtered the ox, that's when people are having a feast, right? As we do today sometimes as well. A modern simplified version of that is a barbecue. <laughs> so, yeah, but in the past, they used to sacrifice ox and they used to slaughter the ox and have it as a sacrifice and they would have a feast. This is similar even in the... in Western Asia, in the, in the Arabian culture or even in the Jewish culture where they slaughtered animals as sacrifice and even in many other cultures i'm sure it happened in africa europe south america america as well people slaughtered ancient people slaughtered animals sacrificed them to gods or heaven and they had a feast from it right so just like even from the bible if you read the bible levi and his priests in the temple sacrifice system the levites the priestly class got to eat the sacrificed meat after it was sacrificed in the temple offering to god all right same as in ancient china they sacrificed animals to heaven okay which is like an equivalent of god if you want to think of it like that okay so is it, the multitude are happy, they're jubilant, as if enjoying a, a, a feast or sending a terrace to have a, a view of the spring scene, which is a beautiful scene. They have good food, beautiful scenery. What else could they have? While I alone am staying still and, and active and remain aloof and indifferent. What does that mean? That means I'm different from all other people. They're enjoying, and I'm not. I'm just staying still here. I'm being kind of bored. And I'm at anchor. All right. 我读博, it says here, 我读博, 博, 
here means I'm at anchor, I'm at rest, I'm at peace, I'm not doing anything. It's kind of like I'm bored, I'm sitting here all alone, I'm aloof, I'm indifferent, I'm not joining the party. Right? I'm like a baby that has not yet learned to smile. I'm tired, like a homeless wanderer. Lay-lay, see, tired, haggard, exhausted, lay-lay. The modern Mandarin word for that is lay, well, layla. But in this classical Chinese, they've used lay-lay, see, I'm haggard, I'm exhausted, I'm all exhausted. Ruo, wu-suo-gui. Ruo is another word, like ru, it means to be like. Ruo. Wu Suo Gui. is means it means homeless person. Right? So Wu Jia Gui is the modern version of that. So Wu Suo Gui is like a person who does not have a home. Gui means to return home or to return. Right? Gui Jia, but modern Mandarin we say Hui Jia, but Gui means to return. So I am not like these people celebrating, having a good time. They're living in luxury. They're living it up. I'm not like them. I'm tired and I'm sitting here being bored. I'm like a baby that has not yet learned to smile. You know, I can't even smile yet. Don't talk about partying. I can't even smile. The multitude all have more than enough. Yu means to have surplus, to have remain, remainder, to have more than enough. They enjoy. It's like Chinese New Year. They're enjoying. That's why in Chinese New Year, we say to people, Yu uh, means we're wishing them to have abundance, to have surplus, to be prosperous. Yu right? Because that's what human beings wish. We all wish in this economy of ours that we can have a surplus, that we can relax, that we can live off the surplus. You know, that's a, the idea of the pension. We save up till we're old and we use our pension to enjoy the rest of our lives. And that is the desired pattern of living. That we That's our desire fundamental desire to do that. We want to enjoy the rest of our lives before we pass on to the next world. Or before we die or before we go wherever it is. So while it says, it's highlighting the difference here. While I alone seem to have nothing. I am one indeed with the heart of a fool. I am basically a fool here. I look like a fool. Why do I choose to be a fool? Vulgar people all look sober and complacent, while I alone seem muddle-headed. Vulgar people is like these common folk, all look sober and complacent, while I alone seem muddle-headed. Okay? And I'm going to have to leave it here, because there's really too much to... Inject into this one episode. I'm going to have to leave it here. I'm going to say thank you for listening. I'm going to invite you to come back in episode 24 to the Dao De Jing podcast. And I hope that today 
you've learned something today for yourselves. And I'm wishing you a good week. Until next time.